Welcome to Good Morning, the podcast on a mission to open up the conversation around grief and loss with honesty and humour. Hosted by Sally and Imogen, we interview interesting guests to hear how losses shape their lives. Join us as we laugh, cry and drop the odd F-bomb. Welcome back to the Good Morning Podcast. Hello, hello. We are coming in hot with our second Up Close and Griefy episode. Yay. What are we talking about today, In We are talking about grief and drumroll relationships. A massive one. It's such a big topic and it's one that, I mean, I wish I was prepared going into this. Grief journey. Yeah. <laughs> it's a massive one. If I think... You know, it's quite common for a relationship in some shape or form to be affected by grief, whether that is a romantic relationship, friendships, family relationships. I think a lot of people do experience shifts um, when they are grieving or they experience, you know, a big loss. Definitely. Definitely. It can affect everything. It can affect, affect all of your relationship. It's even affected my relationship with my dog. Like I just, like I'm telling you, it affects absolutely all relationships. And it's, yeah, it's just a massive topic that I really think we should like delve into because there's so much on this one. And um, we have thrown it out to you guys as well in our Instagram community to send in some questions, which we'll be answering at the end of this episode. We're going to try and get through as many as we can, but thank you all for submitting. But um, how has your week been, Sal? Yeah, my week has been all right. I feel like I say it's been all right a lot of the time. (laughs) Um, I had a bit of a come to Jesus conversation with my husband um, earlier in the week because I basically have been keeping myself really busy. And I know we spoke about this in our conversation with Joe Betts in an earlier episode. And we've also spoken about it on Instagram. But my coping mechanism is keeping busy. But recently it has got to the point where it's like I'm scheduling in rest time and I had a meltdown over like sweeping the apartment. And Oh, my is, God. Tell me more. I just was like trying to fit so much in and that and not allowing myself to relax. It basically got to the point where... I had a meltdown over sweeping the apartment and my husband was like, okay, this is not okay. You need to stop. And what does one of it, what does a Sally meltdown look like? I'm um, really intrigued. I just get very like, you know, wound up. Um, yeah, you I, should see her face right now. <laughs> <laughs> I just put too much pressure on myself in, and over, you get overwhelmed and yes, absolutely overwhelmed, yeah. you know, sweeping the apartment. So you didn't like not cause a meltdown. snap the broom or, or something. No, okay. definitely not. But I get, yeah, quite like, like yes, that's exactly <laughs> it. If there was a noise <laughs> for Sally, that would be it. That is exactly it. Yeah. yeah. Um, so this week I've really tried to, just just pare it back and try and you know not to like basically overdo it and do things that aren't necessary and actually give myself time to rest because yeah I was I was not you know I was not prioritizing my own sort of rest time and it was getting to the point where I was I was just yeah coming close to a burnout so so that has been my week this week trying to take a step back and just kind of be a bit more chill. 
Well, on the topic of burnout, <laughs> I burnt out. <laughs> How are you feeling, mate? Oh, I'm coming. I'm at the tail end. I gave myself tonsillitis because I also haven't stopped and don't know how to stop and when to stop. And and grief is exhausting. Grief is work. <laughs> it's a full-time <laughs> job. But, yeah, I just ran myself to the ground and, yeah, I got really bad tonsillitis. I was bedridden for a good few days. You did not sound good. And you sent me a picture of your throat and that did not look pretty. (laughs) I sent you a message to see if you would accept a picture first. I didn't just send it that some people aren't into gross stuff like that. But I was like, oh, maybe she wants to see my tonsils. (laughs) And tonsillitis, I've only had tonsillitis once, but it is horrific. Rank. It was so rank. Like they were golf balls. I'm not going to go into the details. Um, But yeah, anyone who's had tonsillitis knows. So that was also a bit of a wake-up call for me to just slow down and look after myself and rest and just switch off because I don't switch off. Like I am constantly on in my mind. Like give yourself a break, mate. Mm. I've been I've been putting my phone to bed. So at like... <laughs> a night phone. Honestly, at nine o'clock, that's it. My phone this goes is, to bed. Yes, because I know when I'm like, what's happening? you still at midnight. I get the one tick. I'm like, oh, she's going to bed. Or yeah. you turn your phone on, on flight mode. I really should practice that. It's a good practice. Definitely. Because, you know, it's that always on culture, right? When you're constantly on your phone, yeah. it's easy to like scroll on, you know, mindlessly scroll or mindlessly like, look addictive. at your phone. It's addictive. Like it's so addictive. I find my catch myself sometimes. I'm like, get off your phone. You know, and I, I'm really conscious of it now that I'm a mum that I don't want to miss out on, you know, spending quality time with Layla. So it's something that I'm very conscious of, but it is, it is hard. And it can be exhausting in itself, just like constantly looking at yeah. a screen. So but sometimes I do find it is a bit of an escape for me. Mm. So I do like, I just want to escape from my mind so that I go and mindlessly look at shit and oh, I don't know it's definitely finding a balance I think for me putting my phone to bed at nine means that you know I've got an hour before I go to sleep where I can just really try and wind down what's your wind down I normally just read a book yeah yeah that's my sort of like way that I decompress good read idea a book, have a sleepy tea because I'm really <laughs> rock and roll these have you days. tried that that sleepy tea I gave you not yet oh get into that it looks good though yeah yeah um really really cool and rock and roll these days mate yeah (laughs) that's about it really i've just been sick so basically the theme out the theme of this week for both of us has been prioritizing rest yeah grief burnout grief because still here i'm like burnout. (laughs) (laughs) sorry if my voice is still a bit horsey but there you have it well i'm glad that you're feeling a bit better and you've you know, you're over the worst of it, but it's not fun. Thanks, mate. So, relationships and grief. Let's get into it. I mean, we've both, I think, had quite a lot of experiences since our mum's passed away with different relationships in our life, haven't we? Yeah. Um, and quite a few different sort of types of relationships have been affected. And I think it is so common, especially romantic relationships yes let's start there it's a good place to start is a good place to start yeah I think a big one for me and I think I think it's probably similar for you and probably for quite a lot of listeners who have got a partner who hasn't experienced the loss of a loved one yet or a significant loss for me it was trying to be really mindful that Ant was trying his best but he ultimately 
doesn't know what it really feels like. And I'm, I am lucky that he has been amazing. Like he has been really supportive and I can't fault him. But I think for me, I have had to really be conscious that if I feel frustrated that he doesn't understand, I also have to, I have to understand that he doesn't understand. Does that make sense? Yeah, I think that's such a common one is if your significant other hasn't experienced loss, like, you know, the loss of a parent like we have, um, it's so hard for Mm -hmm. them to know really the depths of what we're going through and understand what to do and say all the time. And I think as well, they're dealing with it in their own way because I think when a parent dies, like I know for both of us, we lost a lot of ourselves as well. Like you and I have both changed quite significantly. And I think Mm -hmm. they also lose parts of their partner that they had before, you know, Mm -hmm. the kind of carefree, let's just go and do something fun partner. Like I know I'm definitely not that anymore at this stage, one day they, that person may come back. But I, I think they probably grieve parts of us that we lost when we lost our mum. Definitely. And I think that, that the grief impacts them in, in terms of their own grief as well. It, it's definitely not as pronounced or, you know, it's not the same. But I know that Ant definitely felt grief um, and has felt griefy since my mum died but I guess sometimes I forget that because it's like my grief is front and center and sometimes he has mentioned before that he's felt you know griefy about it and you kind of sometimes think but But you yeah but it's my mum that died I feel like Ben and I had a very similar kind of argument early on to do with this point and I think we do forget that they are grieving in their own way and Mm. they probably sometimes feel like their grief isn't valid because, you know, they haven't dealt with the death of their parent, although it's kind of through us. So, yeah, it's interesting. It really is. And I remember when we were back in the UK and I was in the throes of trying to organise, you know, the funeral, clear my mum's house out, get, you know, everything sorted. And Aunt flew out a few weeks after me, um, closer to the funeral date. And I remember him saying one day, you know, that he was struggling a bit. And I remember thinking, you're fucking struggling. Yeah. And, you know, and then I had to wind my neck in and be like, but he is struggling. And that's fair enough because it's affected him as well. It's not just my grief. But I think that is a yeah, it's definitely a common common theme, I think, with relationships where one has experienced a loss and the other perhaps hasn't yet but I also think you know I will be there for him in so many ways when it does the time does come for him oh you'll be fantastic you'll know Um, (laughs) yeah yeah, you'll know all the right things to do and say but it's not until you go through it exactly it really is and and that's another thing I think to be mindful of that people just don't understand yeah and unless and I didn't and you know, before mum died, I, maybe I thought I did, but I didn't, you know, mm. you just don't get it until you're in that situation. So I'll tell you a little story, even just from this morning. So one of the massive lessons that I learned about grief and relationships early on was I was always looking to Ben to fill every role and be that emotional support that I needed whenever I needed him to kind of pick me up off the floor and make me feel better. And, 
you know, like you said, they're going through stuff themselves. They're, they're feeling emotions themselves. And I think that started to become really damaging to my relationship. And I was putting so much pressure on him to kind of be all of these things that I needed him to be. Mm -hmm. And we just weren't in a good place. And I think uh, luckily I was doing therapy at the time and I talked it through with my therapist. I'm like, I would say I feel like he's not emotionally supporting me, which is just absolute crap now that I look back in hindsight. It's just that my expectation from him was just, just, way too much. And I think we do have this expectation of our partners to kind of be everything that we want. We want them to be nurturing. We want them to, you know, be a provider. We want them to be all of these roles that they can't necessarily fill. And the minute that I kind of sat back and realized, okay, maybe I need to be getting this emotional support elsewhere. So I've got some really like strong strong, close relationships with my girlfriends, you included, and where I can have these really in-depth, deep conversations about my emotions till the cows come home. I needed to kind of take the pressure off and be like, all right, he's doing so much for me. He's literally financially providing for my whole family right now because I can't go back to work. Like, give him a fucking break. And the minute that I did that, it got so much better and our relationship got a lot stronger and I learned to kind of – grieve quite privately. I know that we're, you know, a grief podcast and we talk about our grief a lot, but in terms of like those days where you're like crying and you you just really griefy, like I go and do that on my own and I don't, it's not that I burden him with it, but it's just, I don't want to expect him to fix me or expect him to make me feel better. Now my grieving time is quite sacred. I know I'll go and I'll put on my music and I'll, I've got a lot of like handwritten cards from my mum that I'll read and look at photographs and I do it by myself and I kind of mm. sk- like schedule in time to grieve. Which sounds mental, doesn't it? But it's so true. <laughs> it's so mental. But And as- I do the same thing. Yeah. I'll say to Ant, like, feeling a bit griefy, I'm just going to go and have a sesh. <laughs> Stop. <laughs> You know, God, have a grief sesh, and the cards come out, the photos, the music. So you do the same thing, yeah. Yeah. And he sort of knows to, and you know, quite often I'll put it on the loudspeakers in the apartment. So when you hear the funeral song come on, you know it's on. Oh my god! And um, so exactly the same. But didn't you have a situation where you sort of had to stop? Yes. So this this is where I was getting at. So. Today, this morning, I woke up really griefy and I was like, oh, I'm so heavy. That hate, that heavy feeling when you're walking around and you're pissed off and you're griefy and you just want to get it out. And you feel irritable and ratty. So, and- yeah, irritable and heavy. And um, I was like, right, I think I need to grieve. <laughs> so <laughs> I dropped Layla to daycare and I knew I had a bit of time to kill before I was coming to meet you. So I just I got home, Ben was working, and I went into our room, put on the AirPods, put on the music, got in the mood, <laughs> got out the cards, the tears were flowing, and he came in the room and interrupted me. <laughs> and I, like, shoved the cards back in the drawer. What did you do? Did you, like, door. stop? Yeah, I, like, stopped. He's like, what's wrong? I'm trying to pretend that I'm fine. I'm like, not okay, ugly crying. Um, but it was just funny. It was like kind of this funny moment where I felt like I was busted grieving. I was like, oh, can I have a minute? Like, <laughs> so your grieving was cut short basically. Yeah. Yeah. So I'll probably have to come back to that later on. But, um, yeah, it's funny, isn't it? Like I just 
something that I'm trying to do privately now and then it was interrupted. I'm like, this is my time. (laughs) Bless him though. He didn't know really know how to handle that. So then we went for a walk. (laughs) But I think it's good that you're acknowledging when you are feeling like you need to get it and let it out because definitely in the early days, I know we both probably, it was more just random outbursts and kind of constant really. Like it was just constant. Whereas now definitely I might have a strong week and then maybe one day I'm like right I'm feeling it I know I'm feeling it so I, how do I get this out yes you know? you've got to actively grieve mm. that's the whole thing I think about you know you're going to feel it to heal it what that means is I think you've got to really let yourself access those emotions so if you're feeling really heavy and you're feeling sad go there yeah you know go really go there and I think yeah that's what we're doing now we're kind of actively going into it and then coming out. And then when you come out, you do feel so much lighter. Like I do feel a lot better than I did earlier this, this morning. Um, so I think that's what that whole thing is. Like, yeah, learning to like actively grieve. Mm. But what was happening in the early days is like you said, we'd be grieving, like we'd be just ugly crying every single day. We'd be a mess every day. And I think, you know, I'd be having one of those grief bombs and Ben would be trying to work. And I'd be like, why can't you give me what I need right now? Why can't you hug me right now? Why can't you say all the things that I need you to say to make me feel better right now? And it's like, he's trying to work. And it's like, I think we expect them to put everything on hold for our grief 24 Mm seven. And it's just not realistic. And I think since learning that and understanding that, that's helped me a lot and it's helped my relationship a lot with just kind of, yeah, letting go of that expectation from him. I think having that perspective is a really good way to to handle it. And another quite common theme from our Instagram response from listeners was around intimacy or lack of it when grieving. And I think that's something that we can both relate to especially for me in those early days last thing on my mind just did not have the headspace or energy and I just wasn't feeling like my grief face was like you know on point I was not feeling like how are you supposed to to get in the mood when you can't even like look at yourself in the mirror like I couldn't even I still sometimes struggle I'm like I just your confidence gets shot to shit well, I know mine was like my confidence was just so low. I didn't feel good about myself. I felt all these changes happening. I was constantly in my mind as well, thinking about my mom. And it's like, how am I supposed to switch off and have sex? Like it's the last thing. Take yourself out of that headspace. It's, it's so really, hard. really hard. And also you're just exhausted. Like where, where can you find the extra energy? Yes. To- get in the mood like when all you want to do is sleep and like just not do anything not move like you don't feel like you've got that you know yeah (laughs) that's so gross no but I I completely agree like especially in those early days it's the last thing you want to do and it's really hard to kind of keep that connection as well in your relationship because intimacy is such a big part of a relationship is when you start to lose that and it's hard it's really hard when we're not in the mood and we're trying to keep that you know connection alive in our relationship and we're trying to grieve and it's just so much to think about and so yeah I think it's a confidence thing as well right we've both said you know in the past that our confidence has been affected because you just feel like a part, you've lost a part of you. You feel exhausted. You don't feel like yourself. You know, you feel like 
the grief face is real you know you don't feel like sexy wow yeah like just griefy and I know that some people have found that sexual relationships have you know been a bit of a a vice for them um a bit of an escape yeah and so everyone is different but I know for us it's sort of you know we feel I felt quite majority of time even sometimes now as flat as a pancake I do not feel like you know (laughs) stop like a foxy lady (laughs) (laughs) I love you Sal Uh, such a 92 year old you are literally the oldest woman I've ever met like inside me there's an old lady just you know shriveling away (laughs) (laughs) foxy lady oh god yeah I love you thanks mate but yeah intimacy is a massive one you've really got to actively work on it and get yourself kind of in the mood because it's so important to keep that alive in your relationship. But I think I, we, we chucked out a poll on our stories the other day and let me just have a look. I think it should still be on there, but basically saying like who is Mojo has, where is it? Oh no, it's disappeared. But it was like 94% of our followers lost their mojo. It's so common, I think. Mm. Is there anything that we can do around it? Like, is there anything, you know, to get ourselves out of that? Because it's so hard. I think one thing, you know, without going into too much detail, but factoring in that time Mm. to build those connections. Yeah. You know, and, and, and try and have that intimacy. Oh my God. Should we, I don't know if our followers watch maths, married at first sight, but they have a sex expert on there and they do like intimacy exercises. Yes. I could never do it with Ben. He would never take me seriously. But like one of them was just sitting with your partner and like making that connection, like looking into each other's eyes. Have you seen these, this episode? Yes. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Like looking into each other's eyes. And there was another one. They were copying each other's genitals, which is super weird for primetime TV. <laughs> Um, but like there are some hey, like Ant, do you want to have a <laughs> genital cupping set? Um, but no, uh, yeah, there are. I guess there are some things you can do to try and spice up the intimacy. I think just trying to be present and maybe trying to have those moments of connection, yeah, might be a way to take some steps forward if you do feel like you've lost your mojo a bit. Grief can be all consuming. So I, yeah. you are wrapped up quite often in yeah. everything, especially in those early days when you've got so much to do as well. And there's, you know, a lot of different factors, but also, yeah, it, it's something that preoccupies a lot of your headspace. So I think definitely trying to have moments of connection, if you can, it could be a way forward if you feel like you're not, you know, perhaps as intimate as you once were. And I also found that, our partners can get really exhausted with us just talking about our emotions 24 seven. So I think it's good as well for ourselves and for our mental health to give ourselves a break. Mm, definitely have schedule some time off from your grief, you know, have a bit of fun, um, plan a date night, like try and schedule in regular date nights and yeah, just 
give yourself a bit of a break. Even if it's like for the next hour, I am going to go for a walk with a friend and I'm going to try and not think about my grief as much. Or I'm going to have an hour where I'm just going to indulge in a trashy Netflix show and I'm not going to try, you know, I'm going to try not to think too much about my grief or just taking a bit of time off. And that might sound crazy, especially if you're in the first, you know, initial few um, weeks or months, but it does help. I really struggle with this one, Sal. Like I, even now after a year, I still really struggle. And it's something I think I need to go back to therapy and talk more about just to try and, yeah, how do, how do I stop? But I think, you know, even just starting small and scheduling an hour, like you said, go for a walk, try not to think about it, watch something, try and be distracted. I really, really, really struggle with this, but it is so important. And yeah, we have, like, we have to kind of give ourselves a break. The the thing is, is before somebody dies, like, we don't think about someone 24-7. Like, we weren't thinking about our mums 24-7 before they died. So, it's like when they do die, it's like starts to become this all-consuming massive thing where we're just thinking about them all the time and what we've lost and how we're not going to, you know, ever see them again and they're not going to be here for this and that. It's like we need to be able to kind of just, let ourselves just feel a bit of life as well around all of that and and have a bit of a break. Definitely. Mm. Yeah, it's a fine line, feeling your emotions and feeling the grief and processing it. But then also, if you can, just, yeah, a little bit of reprieve for yourself. What about the next big one, grief and family relationships? Huge one. Huge one and a big one for me in my personal experience. Grief can it can cause a lot of fractures in families and it can cause family fallouts or family disconnections. And for me personally, I had a heated discussion with my dad about two weeks before the funeral, a couple of weeks after mum died. And I've hardly heard from him since. And I didn't hear from him on the day of the funeral and that really hurt. And um, yeah, we've maybe had email communications like, two times um, in the last year and four months. And yeah, that's been a really hard one. I felt like I had to grieve the relationship of my dad on top of grieving the death of my mum, which was so recent. Like it was two weeks after my mum died and that really hurt. And that's something that I've had to deal with over the last year and four months. And I haven't spoken openly about it and I'm, you know, won't go into too much detail because, you know, um, but it can happen um, and I know that a lot of listeners have reached out to us to say that they have struggled with, you know, a family sort of disconnect since losing a loved one and it's bloody hard um, and it's, you do mourn, you know, you mourn relationships um, on top of mourning that person as well. It's so hard, Sal, and I I think it's great that you are talking about this and I know it has been something that you've been dealing with this entire time that you haven't delved into yet. Mm. And we do get a lot of listeners, you know, contacting us saying very similar things. So I think it's great that you are opening up about it because yeah, a lot of people do deal with similar situations and, and you expect family members to kind of be there to support you. And then when, when some, a situation like this happens and, you're trying to grieve your mom and now you're also kind of grieving that relationship with your dad that you you want it was i was so angry that i was put in a position where i had to you know i had to deal with 
Double grief. Double grief. I was really upset but angry about it as well. And then a few weeks later, his stepchildren all, and, and all of his wife's family deleted me off Facebook. And I was like, this... That is unbelievable. I'm going through like the hardest time of my life and that's how people treat you. And I think as well it's that ambiguous loss. It's that loss where, you know, the person's still alive and the relationship like there's sort of it's still hanging in in the balance. And I think that sometimes is probably harder to deal harder to deal with than Mm. if somebody died because you know, they're still alive and why don't you want this connection with me? Why don't you want this relationship with me? Why aren't you reaching out? Why Why can't I have that? Mm. You know, why can't I have that with you when you're still alive? And that can, I think, be really hard to process. To not hear from from him on the day of the funeral um, and to not really hear from him throughout the year, you know, it's been, yeah, it's been, it's been hard. That's so hard when they're not. And I think it is, yeah, it is a common one and, and families can become really fractured. I think I was quite lucky with my situation because I know with suicide, it can really, really affect families, um, family dynamics. And especially when there's no answers and people want to blame, you know, blame each other. But we haven't had that in our situation because we have a clear indication of what happened in my mum's case. Mm-hmm. And, so I have been lucky with that. It's actually brought uh, my sister and I closer together um, and my stepdad. Well, we've always been close with my stepdad, but it's as a family like unit, we've been pretty lucky in that regard. But it's just, it's still hard, you know, and I think it, it really does affect families when, when somebody dies and dynamics change, you know, and mm-hmm. I think um, in situations, I guess if somebody's, dad died maybe if there was a son in the family they might feel like they need to kind of step up and be that role of the male of the household or people might need to protect their mom and to step up into that role and so I think it yeah can really change dynamics of families definitely and I think stepping up into different roles is quite can be quite common especially if um, there's been sort of an early age loss in terms of a family unit where the sons and daughters are quite young maybe they feel like they need to take on that parental role I think that's quite common yeah and another big one which we've had a lot of listeners reach out and and say um, they were experiencing changes with grief and their friendships massive one. I think this is probably the most common one, I would say. Yeah, we had a lot of questions come in around this topic. And it's, yeah, it can can really change friendships. Um, A lot of people just don't know how to deal with emotions and grief. And again, if you haven't experienced it, then you just might not know how on earth to approach a grieving friend. Um, I've definitely had some friends that I expected to be there that just haven't. One friend in particular, really, really close. I lived with her for a period of time. She was based in the UK. Um, when I was back there, didn't really make an effort to see me. Um, and then on the day of the funeral, just left me a WhatsApp voice note saying that she wasn't going to come, but her tone was just really flat, really off. And, um, I just haven't heard from her since. And I was, what? Yeah. 
And I was really surprised about that because she actually was quite close to my mum. She knew my mum. They were like quite friendly. Like even when I lived in Australia, my mum would go over and like see her. They hung out like, so I don't know what was going on there. So that's like another loss that you were going through on top of, oh. You know what? I think at the time I was like, I just don't have the capacity to even deal with this. Like, so it's been just a, okay, well, it is what it is. And I remember listening to the voice note before the funeral and just, you know, when someone just sounds so like not, like, I don't know, she just, what her tone was really off. I was like, you sound, yeah, like it was just like, hey, I can't come. Like, I'm not feeling well, can't come. Hope you What, know, like you're calling in sick for work or something? Like, I hope you're going to be okay today. You wow. know, you've got, the, got this. But then that was it. Nothing, like, nothing from there. So I just took that as it is what it is. Um, and, yeah, and other friends as well. I feel like I have really reprioritized who I want in my life and one thing about losing mum definitely made me realize how important strong connections are because that that is what got me through my grief those initial months but even now having like that amazing support network and I know we're both very lucky that we did have a lot of people around us and a lot of amazing you know friends and family members but I think over time since her death I have definitely realized that having those strong connections is so so important so I've actively really tried to foster and nurture those but I've also realized who what kind of friends I don't want in my life and you know people that are flaky or you know there's certain kind of friends that I had like acquaintances yeah like and I know that you feel the same but I ain't got time for small talk anymore oh mate seriously and those surface level friendships I just I'm not interested I've got absolutely no energy or time for that at all it's hard and you know on the plus side it's brought me a lot closer to a lot of my friends and I've met you know new friends like you which has been an absolute silver lining (laughs) huge Um, but it is is a common thing like a lot of you know friends drop away or they don't know how to approach approach a grieving person so they seem like they're not bothered or they just don't put in the effort yeah well I think yeah like my friends were fantastic in the early stages like I honestly they pretty much we just moved house and they pretty much put everything away unboxed everything put all my clothes into the wardrobe like for a while I didn't know where anything was but I didn't have to think about anything the freezer was stocked the cupboards were stocked with food Layla was getting looked after like absolutely incredible and I was so so lucky um but there is that point of time where people drop away you know and I've got you know some few really core good friends that still check in often Mm -hmm. um but a lot of a lot of friends have kind of like I barely hear from them and people just life moves on for people doesn't it and they don't if you haven't been there you you sort of just you don't realize that it's grief isn't a two week thing. It doesn't mm. last two weeks. It's ongoing. It's a you know? forever thing. It's a forever thing. It is a forever thing. Um, and yeah, people just, they just don't get it. I think sometimes if they haven't been in that situation themselves. And I really feel for listeners who do feel really alone because it is really, a, you know, it's a lonely experience grief. And then if you haven't got a support network around you, it's, it's even harder. It is. It's really hard. And you do, it is, it's so important to have that support network. And I know some people find it hard to access support. And then some people have been in lockdown where they can't see anyone or like, it's just. 
grieving in lockdown, I think is a whole nother conversation because yeah. that's on another level. And, you know, we did have a lockdown here last year very briefly and that was hard. But I think for those like in the, you know, the States and the UK who've had a very long extended period of lockdown. Yeah. And you're lacking that human connection. Absolutely. So we had a really good response from listeners. We put a Q&A out there on Instagram to say, what are your, you know, questions around grief and relationships? I, I think thought we'd get like two. We had like <laughs> about got, 200. Yeah, we've got so many. Just to say, we are by no means professionals. So these are just our thoughts and, you know, um, opinions on, based on our own personal experiences if you are really struggling in your grief we definitely recommend that you seek professional help we are definitely not professional so yes all of that (laughs) okay question number one how do you address a friend who has noticeably been affected by your grief long story short I have a friend who acts completely different to me and all my other friends ever since my dad died I constantly feel like she's waiting for me to get better or back to normal, but this is my new normal. My life has changed and she is so dependent on me that it's very overwhelming, but how do I even bring that that up in conversation? Oh, mate, there is no getting back to normal and that's what people don't realise. That's what friends who haven't lost someone do not realise, that there is no going back to normal. I think having an honest, open conversation, just getting it out there and saying that this is how you're feeling and maybe expressing to her that, you know, this is your new normal now. Things have changed for you and being honest with her about what life looks like for you now. Maybe even like writing a letter that might help get kind of, you know, getting your thoughts down on paper. If you don't feel like you can necessarily have that convo and call it out with her. Have the chat with her, tell her how you're feeling and you never know, it might, you know, help this situation. Absolutely. Second question Is it common to feel like you've lost all your friends? Mine haven't made an effort at all. So bloody common. Like this was probably the number one um, question that we got from from our Instagram community. So many of you said that you felt like your friends had not shown up for you or friends had dropped away. And it is really, it can be really lonely. Um, I would say a good thing to do, perhaps to explore um is look for grief support groups so it's how im and i met we weren't gonna go we were both like what are we doing it was like the last thing on our minds wasn't it yeah but i also felt quite lonely in my grief so i knew that i needed to connect with people who were going through a similar experience because none of my friends had none of my peers had but you know i'm not i hadn't really ever gone to like a you know a support support group group before (laughs) so but it was so worth it because I met you um so I think if you are feeling like your friends have dropped away or they maybe can't relate maybe explore if there's anything in your local area um any support groups that you could go to or maybe even try connecting with you know people that you maybe want to foster a friendship with, putting yourself out there. I know it's difficult in the early stages of grief and sometimes you might not feel confident to, but maybe trying to forge some new connections. I remember the day I I slipped into your DM cell. I remember that. I'm like, (laughs) what do I write? Do I just do it? I just do it. I'm just going to contact her. You never know. And then here we are. Yeah. An amazing friendship later. And it's so, so good to have that person who gets it. So that is one thing that we would highly recommend is finding someone that's part of the club. 
Definitely. And we're really sorry that you're feeling lonely um, because it's a really hard feeling. So lots of love to you. Yeah. Something, next question, something that has affected me personally was dealing with my mum's probate between myself, my brother and stepdad. As soon as money came into the picture, it completely changed my brother. I tried to make allowances for his behaviour due to what he was going through and taking his grief into account. But it opens up the question, where do you draw the line between making excuses for someone's actions that could potentially damage the relationship and keeping your own self-preservation? This is a good one. Money changes everything money 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 uh honestly people change when there's money involved especially families especially dealing with probate it i would say in this um situation that boundaries are really important so this could maybe be something like um deciding what you will and what you won't talk to him about so what are the things that you're willing to engage in conversation with and what things are off limits for you for your own mental health and well-being or maybe it's you know how often you're going to speak to him you know so putting some boundaries in place around the amount of like contact that you have and find be conscious of the things that are triggering you as well and if there's things that your brother is doing or saying that are triggering you that they can be part of your boundary package (laughs) be like when he does this I'm going to remove myself from the situation or do xyz to protect myself and my boundaries it's so 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 important to do definitely and a really good book actually that I read recently um, around boundaries is called the joy of being selfish by Michelle Ellman and I will link it in the show notes because I found it really helpful it basically explains what boundaries are And then it talks about different scenarios and how to kind of, yeah, work boundaries into your everyday life. So um, if anyone is yeah interested in learning more about how to set boundaries, that could be a good one for you. I mean, I am because I struggle. Like, I don't think I ever really had boundaries for a majority of my life. My mum never had boundaries, so I inherited the lack of boundaries. And it is something that you have to practice and you have to learn. And it's so important. Next question. How do you work through the internal battle of grieving and not burdening your partner? Oh, I feel this one. Oh, yes. Did, did you write this one? <laughs> yeah, it was secretly me. I think we no, wrote these it. ones in. <laughs> um, oh, good you know question. First and, first and foremost, I would say, um, please don't feel like you are a burden because you're not. And it's just such an it's such a, a common feeling, I think, when you're grieving to feel like you're a burden, but you're absolutely not a burden. It's so sad that that is a feeling that we have, isn't it? That our mm. grief is going to burden people. I think making time to connect with each other is a good one. So um, taking the time to have honest conversations and, you know, and maybe communicate how you're feeling around this and that you're feeling that you might be burdening them because you might find that you're absolutely not um, but I think opening that dialogue is really important to be able to communicate how you're both feeling so good communication is key communicate 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 and schedule in time to have some fun yes this is like we cannot stress this enough because grief is draining grief can be just such a dark all-consuming place and if you're living with someone that's grieving it can be you know you can get get sucked into that so have some fun get out of your normal environment go and do something different shake up the scene a bit you know just reconnect with your inner child oh my god listen to me now I'm not a professional but just really connect with your inner child and like just have some fun because you're allowed to have some fun and you know it's really important to kind of yeah nurture that part of your relationship as well 
like a date night once a week go and do something fun together for a couple of hours and just try I need and to take our own advice <laughs> try and connect yeah next one how do I bring up my boyfriend's death when I'm ready to start dating again I'm really worried about this oh I think ultimately um this is a part part of your story so you shouldn't feel ashamed or worried to express and tell people what's happened um I think it can be really difficult to start dating again after a a big loss um especially if you've lost your significant other um but I think that the right person will understand it's part of your story it's part of your narrative so I don't think you should feel ashamed own that and I think what is really hard is when a partner dies is that you know that relationship is left hanging in the balance and you still love that person and there's no closure and it's like then having to you know think about entering into a relationship with somebody else when you still love that person they're still very much your partner in your mind and that and that's not ended but I think finding someone who can appreciate that and accept that is super important and they do exist these these people are out there that are willing to acknowledge and accept that and if they don't then they're not the right person next question I don't care for intimacy at all anymore is this normal uh yes <laughs> yes <laughs> this is another one we wrote in no jokes absolutely normal so normal this is something that we touched on earlier it's just it's so so common and um do not feel like there's something wrong with you next question how do I process my grief when I'm still struggling and my family wants to move on oh this is a tricky one everyone grieves so differently um and I think family members you know it can be quite common that people have different grieving grieving styles um, and that can be tricky especially it's, if they're closed off and they're not processing their grief in the same way yeah it sounds like to me that these family members who want to move on don't want to deal with their grief they don't want to face it because I don't think there really is a moving on when you're grieving you know you've really got to go there and it is hard when you've got family members that don't grieve the same way as you or don't want to acknowledge you know, their grief in a healthy way. And a healthy way is by talking about it, Mm -hmm. which is what we're all coming to learn. And, you know, the whole, you know, idea of this podcast is to talk about grief and that it's okay to talk about grief. So when you have family members that aren't on that same page, it can be really hard and really isolating and lonely. Um, So it is, yeah, I would say seek some help outside, find someone that you can talk to. I would say seek professional help perhaps to help you process um, your grief and what you're going through if you find that you, you aren't getting that support from your family unit. And this is somewhere where I think the Instagram community is really useful is it is a place where people can go and express their grief and everyone gets it and it's such a welcoming and warm place um, for people that kind of don't have anyone to talk to about their grief and feel like they you know, their family wants to move on, but they can't, you know, but it's, there's nothing wrong with you. There is absolutely nothing wrong with you. I just think your family members don't want to face it yet. And they will years down the track, but for now that, that, that is what's going on. Next one isn't really a question, but we thought it was good to include because I think it's quite, um, it can be quite common. Yeah, this is a good one. My mum passed away when I was with her and it happened to be on the night my sister was at home trying to get some rest. When I rang to tell her mum had passed away, my sister was really angry with me and angry when she arrived and she's always resented me for being there. 
I feel like we're growing apart, like mum was the glue. Seeing mum take her last breath was a huge deal for me, yet not once has my sister asked me how that was for me. She's just angry. I'd love to know if any other listeners are going through this too. This is, I think it's a perfect example of what's called displaced aggression. So when somebody dies, we, you know, one of the obvious stages of grief is anger and we're angry at the person for dying. We're angry at for what we've lost. We're just angry. And I think when somebody dies, we can't take that anger out on them. And I think in this situation for our lovely, you know, our lovely listener is her sister is taking out all of her anger onto her when it's really got nothing to do with her. Um, she just can't take it out on her mum for, for leaving her. And that's the, the sad reality of the situation. And I think it is really common to have displaced aggression in families when you're grieving and you take it out on, you know, someone that's got nothing to do with. And I think probably the fact that she wasn't able to be there when your mum took her last breath, it's just, it's really hard. And she's, she's, angry and hurt at that but it's got nothing to do with you and you've done absolutely nothing wrong and I'm sorry that you're going through this Um, but just know it's so important and it is a common thing that people do when they're grieving is to take out their anger on somebody else that doesn't deserve it. Grief in relationships hey. Complex. Complex and just to every listener um, and everyone who submitted a question you're not alone and um, there are other people who are going through a similar thing so we hope that you found today's conversation um, helpful and relatable and that in some way maybe it brought you some comfort Um, but yeah relationships when you're grieving can be so tricky just know that you're not alone. Too right, Sal. You are absolutely not alone. We're Preach. all going through it. Yeah. Um, if you guys have enjoyed listening to this episode, we've got a small favour to ask. If you wouldn't mind leaving us a rating or a review on whichever podcast platform you're listening to, it helps the podcast get seen by other people. So if you could do that, that would be amazing. Any little review would be so greatly appreciated. Also, if you know anyone who might benefit from listening to this podcast, please spread the word about Good Morning. Good Morning.